0: Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Inside Pints, the show where we take members from Alberta's political world, have a quick drink with them, and talk about current events, talk about life. And I want to take a moment before we bring our guest in today to talk a little bit about the concept of what Inside Pints is. The reason we came up with it is because a lot of the conversations we have in the world about politics, about life and things in general, they could happen at the kitchen table, they can happen at the pub with with friends or a family, Uh, but ultimately... It's just meant to facilitate that informal discussion. So the one thing that's been interesting, too, is that with the name of Insight Pints, we actually haven't had a beer yet, which is totally fine by me. But the reason that uh, we did that is, again, oftentimes it's over a drink. But I'm very happy with uh, what our guest brought on today because we've actually gone the non-alcoholic route. And in 2021, I know it goes without saying, but I want to address that because that is sort of a theme of what this show is you absolutely in no way need alcohol to have good conversations with people. You just need to have that personal connection with whoever it is and get a chance to have that genuine understanding and relationship built there. And also this really goes without saying, please do not drink and drive. If you're listening to this podcast, wait till you get home, turn on your headphones, whatever it is you do enjoy yourself. Then please do not drink with us. If you are driving, if you're at home by yourself, that's a completely different story, but With that said, I'd like to bring in our guest today. He is the critic for Red Tape Production with the uh, NDP in Alberta, and he is the MLA for Edmonton Decor, Chris Nielsen. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great, Aaron. How about
0: yourself? Oh, you know, I'm doing pretty well. I mean, I'm not going to complain about the uh, unseasonably warm weather we're having in uh, the Edmonton region that's always known for its tropical uh, climate. But uh, no, it's been pretty great. How's everything going with you in uh, a sessional break?
1: Uh, Well, you know, I mean, you you managed to to carve out a a few minutes here and a few minutes there uh, to get a little bit of a a break, Uh, but uh, you know, certainly uh, it's back to work now and uh, getting focused on uh, you know trying to try and stay in touch with uh, with the constituents.
0: Absolutely, and I've kind of addressed that with the other guests that we've had on. Is that even though you're an MLA sitting for a number of weeks in the legislature, your work isn't just limited to that. There's way more beyond that. I would say it's actually more than a full-time job. And some people saying that it isn't, I, I'll never believe that there's so much involved with it. So uh, yeah, we'll try not to take up too much of your time, but before we get going into the actual uh, conversation, what is it that you brought on today? Cause I mentioned it's non-alcoholic. So what are we drinking today?
1: Yeah, well uh, actually, so uh, at the restaurant, this one is the, uh, the vodka Italian soda. Uh, obviously, when it comes to takeout, uh, you can't bring out uh, alcoholic beverages, uh, but it's still very, very good. And this one has the uh, the raspberry flavor uh, in it for myself. Oh, nice! Um, but I've certainly had them over at uh, Famoso, um, which is the restaurant which I got it from. And I'm not too sure if you're familiar with uh, the chain very much, um, but their roots start right here in Edmonton. Uh, I think it was yeah, back in like 2007. Uh, They opened up their first store. I wish I could say it was up here in uh, the Northeast, uh, but I don't believe it was. I think it was either the second or third store uh, that that opened up. But uh, yeah, it calls Edmonton Decor Home, a great restaurant, some amazing pizza here uh,
0: absolutely <laughs>
1: um, uh, but the big thing uh, I really enjoy and of course my wife uh, it offers gluten-free options as well because uh, my wife uh, can't have gluten so that's a safe place for her to be able to, uh, to eat so uh, we uh, you know go there a lot except of course recently uh, we order. <laughs>
0: No, absolutely. Fair enough. And I actually picked up the peach one myself. I'm just a really big fan of that. So, uh, no, I'm very excited. So before we get going, I'll just do a quick cheers with you. cheers to you as well. (laughs) Thanks for coming on. All right. So let's get down to business. You are a second term MLA here in Alberta and your first election was in 2015 during the, uh, what was called the orange crush back in the day. Um, before that, you were working in shipping, receiving, and you did a little bit of union work. So what was it about your past life that you went through and sort of the experiences that you gathered that led you down the world of politics? Because they're two very different places.
1: No, absolutely. Um, and I think it was because of uh, all the things that I experienced sort of in my work life, uh, being involved with the, with the union. It was about, you know, how do you create that relationship between the employer and the worker? where both can win, uh, you know, and uh, employees aren't taken for granted. They're treated with dignity and respect. They, they get good pay, they get good benefits uh, and then can turn around and, and participate in the uh, economy. And I guess it was a case of where we saw kind of a direction where it seemed like hardworking Albertans, just like myself, as, as someone who, who worked in a warehouse, drove a forklift, um, it, you know, we, we didn't seem to be getting the results um, with, a, with a placard and a bullhorn on the steps of the legislature. Um, and so, you know, the conversation started around, well, how else can we change things? And uh, the next thing you know, I'm being kind of pointed in the direction of the political life, actually by my union, UFCW Local 401. Um, and uh, the rest, as they say, is history.
0: <laughs> well, and that's really interesting, too, because everybody gets into politics for their own reasons. And even in the same parties, you'll find that people get in because of their own lived experiences. And that's sort of the thing that people take for granted is that, yes, politics is about the policy and how things are developed, but it's really about that personal lived life and what you bring to the table because it's supposed to be representative of everybody in the province. So no, it's great to have a lot of different backgrounds involved. So when you did get involved, I mean, going from that world into politics is a huge change. And obviously we said it earlier that being an MLA is more than a full-time job. So when you were first elected in 2015, how did you find that your life changed? Like, obviously it was a little bit busier, but how did you find that everything else changed for you?
1: Well, in, in some ways it, it didn't change because, you know, just before I was elected, of course uh, I was doing relief work for 401. Um, and just like uh, an MLA's life, uh, the, the work of a, a union rep is is not a, you know, eight hour day a five days a week job either. So really, it was doing almost the exact same things, um, maybe just on a little bit of a larger scale. Instead of maybe looking after you know a few thousand uh, people across many different uh, businesses, um, you know now you're looking after tens of thousands. But essentially doing the same thing, advocating uh, so that they have a chance to to prosper and uh, and live a good lifestyle.
0: For sure. And that kind of brings me to my next point is that we know what Chris Nielsen is in the legislature. We know what Chris Nielsen is in committee. Who's Chris Nielsen outside of the office? Because I was trying to do a little research on you and you came across very mysterious. I couldn't find much.
1: <laughs> well, I, I guess in a way, uh, I, I'm clearly not very good at, uh, at bragging about uh, you know, myself and and everything that I do. Um, you know, I've always said an MLA can be as busy as they, they want to be. Uh, I can definitely attest to the fact that my colleagues and I have chosen to be crazy, crazy busy, um, but in a good way. I mean, you have to make yourself uh, available, but you know, in the times that, uh, you know, you get to carve out a little bit of uh, time for yourself. But I mean, one of the hobbies I like, which uh, you're probably gonna laugh here, uh, it's a big hit with the school kids, Uh, I do like to do a little bit of computer gaming. And so once they find that out, oh, the conversation just changes completely.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So what is it? I'm going to ask you that because now we're going down a little bit of a rabbit hole. What is it? What kind of computer games are you into?
1: Um, I mean, I've been in, uh, you know, all kinds of different things, strategy, strategy. MMOs uh, first-person shooter games I mean uh, all, all kind of the the gambit a, a, a little bit I mean um, you know I, I don't get anywhere near the amount of time uh, to do what I used to do when I, I I guess had that that eight hour or little bit uh, job but uh, you know it does provide a, a little bit of rest and, and relaxation and uh, of course uh, the wife and I uh, love to just uh, you know catch some of the shows that are uh, that are on TV and you uh, you know, just exploring some of the things from from my past. So,
0: No, totally. So as an MLA, how do you find that you keep that work-life balance as you go through? Because obviously, you don't have a set schedule.
1: No, and, and that's the challenge. And, uh, you know, I'd be lying to you if I said uh, I've figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if I really, you know, have managed to find that work-life balance. Ballots. Uh, sometimes it's uh, it's difficult. But, uh, you know, if, if somebody ever uh, sort of knows which way to maybe point me, I'm always happy to take some advice in that area. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, and I know all of us can definitely use that. No question. Uh, so let's go into the legislature a little bit, because this session, what you're doing is you're working as a critic for red tape reduction and the UCP during their campaign period. And now that they've been elected, that Piece was a very integral part of their platform. They want to reduce red tape by 33%. And last time they came out with their update, I believe it was 6.84%. That's been reduced to this point. So, in order to get to that 33% mark by the end of their first term, they need to do on my math, and forgive me, I'm terrible at math, but I think the number is 10.4% per year. And that's fairly significant because we're about almost halfway through the first session or the first uh, term, and they've hit the 6.8% mark. So what are your thoughts on, do you think they have the ability to actually get to that 33% point?
1: Well, uh, it's going to pose a challenge for them. Uh, you know, they've certainly been creating uh, some red tape of, uh, of their own. Uh, it's funny, when I do talk to constituents, and, you know, it doesn't really matter uh, what political stripe they happen to be, um, in a way, a little bit of the irony hasn't been lost that, here you are saying, well, we're going to reduce red tape by creating a bunch of red tape. The ministry itself, just to deal with it, and so some people kind of one really wonder about that, and and I think that's uh, you know legitimate. Uh, I, I think you know red tape reduction could be driven just within the ministries themselves. Um, I've certainly established that that is the case. They're they're making. Uh, decisions around red tape all within the ministry and so you know when you're talking about spending 13 million dollars of albertans monies over the you know the course of the term you need to come up with uh with some concrete uh you know evidence that uh, that you've been doing that and i just i haven't seen that unfortunately yet
0: and based on what you have seen what are you finding that has or has not been cut that isn't really working from the perspective of the ndp
1: well, I, I mean, the first thing I have to say is I'm absolutely in favor of red tape production. I mean, you know, why uh, fill out 15 copies of something when simply seven will do? You know, I'm just picking up arbitrary numbers, but it, it makes the point. Um, the other thing I really wish um, the minister and, of course, the ministry and the, the government as, as a whole would define red tape, what it is. Um, that has been completely lacking right simply from day one. And so to just simply say, well, anything that makes um, uh, the life of business more expensive or slows it down, um, (laughs) kind of leaves it really open uh, towards interpretation. And so I kind of take that stance a little bit. It's, you know, what some people will call uh, red tape reduction, I'll call protections for Albertans. Uh, And so there's some red tape in there that, uh, that needs to be there. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, now we've, we've seen some moves to uh, get rid of some of that that I think puts Albertans at risk.
0: And I mean, obviously, I know we don't know all the details about what's coming out next, but based on budget coming out and what we assume to be a little more than a month, have you been given any sort of inklings to what might be coming down the pipe on that side? Or are you still kind of in the dark on that?
1: No, we're we're very much in the dark on that. On that, I mean, even during the session themselves, uh, you know, the government has chosen not to give uh, technical briefings um, to uh, to opposition MLA critics, uh, and so uh, you know, sometimes it's after the fact that maybe they'll offer uh, a, a chance to maybe ask some questions. But again, uh, you know, when I'm looking at the red tape in terms of legislation that's been presented, I mean, we've really seen a lot of. It almost seems like cast offs from uh, uh, from government ministries kind of fluff uh, type stuff. Uh, I mean, getting rid of, uh, you know, an award uh, kind of thing. You know, does that create jobs? Does that move the economy along? No, not really. Um, you know, uh, the, the latest one where they said, well, we've just cut a whole bunch of red tape. Uh, For people getting their Christmas trees, they still have to fill out all the paperwork. They just actually save the $5. Is that red tape reduction? Probably not.
0: And speaking of the legislation, what I've seen, at least from my lens, is that a lot of what the UCP has done is that they've been using omnibus legislation to try and push through this red tape reduction. And I mean, in fairness, there's an argument to be made for that in certain pieces uh, or in certain situations, simply because when you look at 326 pages of writing, you don't want to create a bill for every single thing there because then you wouldn't be able to get anything passed. So, I mean, I understand that point, but from the opposition perspective, when you're trying to read 326 pages of legislation And really understand, okay, is this just a shuffle of how things are being done? Mm -hmm. Are we actually cutting something? Are we creating something new? What does that look like from your end when you're given that document and you have to come back to the legislature and go into committee and question period?
1: Yeah, no, that's very, very difficult. Sometimes, Uh, like you said, trying to suss out what, what is it that, you know, is really not uh, kind of a a problem versus what could be a a problem. And, uh, you know, the minister himself, uh, you know, is on record uh, opposing omnibus legislation. And uh, with uh, the exception, of course, his very first bill, which was, of course, establish uh, the red tape production ministry. uh, They've all been omnibus. So did he really believe that omnibus legislation was bad? I don't know. But the problem when you introduce that kind of thing, especially if you're putting in something that's potentially controversial versus something that's a very good uh, potential idea, and we saw that in the latest piece of legislation uh, around adoptions and and whatnot, but I think uh, an important piece of legislation like that probably should have stayed within the ministry itself, because at the end of the day, once it's passed... Any questions that come in, well, they're going to call up the red tape minister. And the first thing will be, well, you need to contact Children's uh, Services Ministry because they have all the answers. And then you put that in with a lot of changes around um, reserve land with municipalities, uh, very little, if if any, consultation uh, around that. And so now you have these opposing pieces of legislation, one that's good, but one that's not good. And I, I just don't think that's the best way to do it. I think there's a some of the fluff you know could have been done in things like statutes amendment uh, acts um which you, you almost never see opposed because it really is just quick changes to language or having to update legislation so that it's uh, current uh, you know where nobody has really a problem in. and so you're trying to figure out all of these pieces
0: and i'm glad you brought up the municipal reserves because that's something that we don't really talk a lot about because I mean, obviously, with provincial government, you have to deal with municipal affairs, and that's a whole other ministry. But when it comes to reserve land, a lot of people don't really understand the concept of what that is and how it's involved. I think it was 5% in new subdivisions has to be set aside for education or municipal uh, reserve. So have you been hearing anything on the front lines with that? What are you, what's the response been from uh, Albertans?
1: Well, uh, I mean, from the municipalities themselves, I mean, they've certainly been inundated with a lot of changes trying to figure out, you know, what kind of things are they going to be on the hook for? How much is this going to cost them? You know, will there be provincial help? Uh, And then to kind of throw this in there, um, you know, it it was almost like the opposition where a little bit uh, trying to figure out how to prioritize things and what's important and what's not And so when you're looking at that, essentially what you're saying to the municipality is that, well, unless you make a decision that the developer wants to see happen, uh, we're going to come in there and and override you. And so that kind of defeats the whole purpose of the municipality because they're the ones on the front lines making those decisions for the neighborhoods. I don't think the province should be uh, getting involved uh, in that, but this bill is going to allow that.
0: And it'll be interesting to see how that goes forward as well. I mean, we have the municipal elections coming forward in a few months now. I was going to say 2021, forgetting that <laughs> we're out of 2020. I mean, sometimes they blend together a little
1: Absolutely. bit. Absolutely.
0: But uh, no. And. Yeah, I think municipal elections are actually going to be a huge thing this year, especially given what we've seen with the changes in campaigns, what we've seen in municipal reserves. That's We could just do a whole episode based on that itself, so I don't want to bog you down too much on that, but <laughs> as the uh, critic for red tape reduction, I mean, obviously the question I usually like to ask anybody who's in opposition is, if the rules were reversed, where would you want to be focusing your efforts?
1: Um, I mean, you have to, of course, be in touch with with businesses, and so... How do you make their ability uh, to do business, to be profitable, but not at the expense of the safety of Albertans, their ability to prosper? Because at the end of the day, really, when you think about it, um, if Albertans themselves aren't prosperous, then they don't necessarily have the money to be able to spend uh, in these businesses. So certainly if there's ways that we can allow them uh, to do business uh, quicker, uh, more efficiently, Absolutely. But never at the expense of of Albertans or potentially even other businesses as well. So, you know, you don't want to create that whole fight between big corporations and our small and medium sized businesses, which, you know, we kind of see a little bit.
0: And that's kind of the refreshing thing, too, is that when it comes to that concept of red tape and getting rid of it, that's one of the more pragmatic issues is that everybody agrees if you can do things more efficiently do it it's just in this case it's a matter of doing it with a different lens and a different perspective so obviously ucp will say one thing ndp will say another so it'll be interesting to see how this goes for the rest of the uh term so no it was very good to talk to you on that uh what i kind of want to talk about next is going back to that transition from going into government in 2015 as a first-time mla to now going into opposition with a little bit of experience so Obviously, first term, it's a huge learning curve, you're trying to understand how everything operates. But from that first term, granted that you're going from government to opposition, what did you learn that you're taking with you into this next term that you are using for the benefit of your constituents and your own career?
1: Well, uh, yeah, I mean, certainly, it's a it's a different uh, look from government side versus versus opposition side. Um, you know, I, I I used to always kind of you know joke a little bit on the government side. There's so many other MLAs, uh, and so you know you have to give you know people a chance to to talk to their constituents and whatnot. So you don't necessarily get to talk as much as you want. Um, but in opposition, we we get lots of it now, so no problem uh, getting heard there. But really. Um, I, I think a lot of it is is the same. You know, you're still advocating for your constituents, be it whether you're um, on the government side or whether you're on uh, the opposition side. And so um, I, I guess I would say uh, it's a little bit more different uh, trying to convince uh, the government uh, that maybe some of the things that they're doing uh, are not in the best interest of Albertans. And even though you you represent a, a riding, Whereas in government, you know, if you're hearing from people uh, outside of your riding, you get to help them, you know, connect with their local MLA. Versus in opposition, uh, sometimes you, you know, you're, you are dealing with people that uh, that aren't your constituents that that have concerns that aren't getting addressed by their by their local ML, uh, MLA. That's more than likely UCP.
0: And what does the outreach position look like right now? Because obviously with COVID, you can't just really sit in your constituency office and have people come and have a chat. So are you doing a lot more email correspondence or what is that outreach looking like right now?
1: Oh, it's all of the above email, phone calls, zoom meetings. You know, they're reaching out to us through email, phone calls. Uh, And so really um, I guess most of what we've changed is instead of maybe being on location at their organization or their business, or you know, here behind me in my in my office, um, we're just simply doing it online. So um, it's it's really just a change of location. Really, what's what's happened? Same
0: work, just different way of getting around it.
1: Absolutely, and you know, it was certainly a learning curve trying to get all all of that. But I, I think there's good momentum uh, done. But uh, yeah, we're just we're calling people uh, sometimes just to. Just Check in, see how they're doing. You know, uh, it's been a tough time for everybody, and I think uh, you know nobody minds getting a phone call saying, "Hey, how are you doing? Are you doing all right?" You know, just just want to make sure your things are good.
0: For sure. And I mean, as we kind of said off the air as well, everybody's sort of becoming a techie with all of this, trying to figure out how to manage Zoom meetings and how to do this and actually get the recording operating. So that's something I've been dealing with. So I can only imagine that others are dealing with that as well. I've come um, very efficient at calling the the, the techies.
1: <laughs> help, just you know, the so I've feet. gotten more efficient there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. There you go. Uh, so going into the next session, have you, I realize you can't really tell us exactly what's going to be happening and what's planned, but these or the NDP has tried to put through a few private members bills in the previous sessions. Are you aware of what's being trying to put through this time in terms of private members bills, or is that something that's still being developed?
1: Uh, I, I think there's still being, you know, some final decisions being uh, made around that. Uh, I know actually I have a private members uh, motion uh, that may be coming up here uh, in the fall session. And so you know, there's a few ideas that uh, that we're looking around, uh, see, you know, which one we'd actually like to uh, to land on here. Um, but you know, I think there's some some opportunities to present some ideas to the government because uh, you know it's not enough just to be oppositional. Uh, anybody can com- uh, complain. Um, but you have to have answers as well. And, and I think as an opposition, we've done very, very well at um, proposing ideas of how to do things better, make sure we don't have legislation that's going to be coming back to, to get fixed, because you know, we certainly got uh, accused of that uh, when, uh, when we were in government. And so, you know, uh, the, the trying to, to help them... Uh, to succeed, the whole narrative that we're always constantly cheering for Alberta to fail is is not true. Because if it does fail, we all fail. It doesn't matter whether it's the government, the opposition, people, business, everybody. Everybody fails. We don't want to see that, so uh, we're we're trying to make suggestions uh, that will help
0: things. And you've kind of alluded to it already. Is that not just in Alberta, but we're kind of starting to see this more? And as a general theme, is that people are becoming more divided in the sense that we aren't really meeting in the middle anymore. We're trying to say uh, not so much an us versus them, but it's sort of a brand politics. It's you subscribe to who fits your ideology and it's not as easy to shift from one party to the others. It may have been in the past, but having said that it's, that's again, the reason why we do this is because we want to show, because we interview everybody from all parties. We mm-hmm. want to be able to show that you can actually have these conversations and uh, be able to disagree without being disagreeable. And and don't get me wrong. There are obviously instances where you transcend politics and go so much into the humanity side of things that it's not possible to have civil conversations on certain things, but you can still do it with as much civility as you can, I guess is the best way of putting it. Um, so with that huge tangent out of the way, uh, I'll put you a little bit on the spot here with budget 2021 coming up. This is obviously going to be a fairly big piece of legislation for the UCP government. Um, what would your top three wants be from your perspective that you want to see in the budget?
1: Well, you know, I think given the events of, of the last year, uh, seeing things like uh, cutting uh, in the healthcare um uh, area uh, will just simply be uh, all kinds of uh, bad. Um, you know, people are stressed, people are overworked, they're exhausted. Uh, it clearly shows that, you know, in the event of a pandemic, you know, you should be able to just have to ramp things up a little bit more to be able to uh, to take it on. Um, but in this case, you know, we, we had to really go all out um and now you know how long can we we hang on at uh, at this pace thankfully that you know we have a vaccine now that's uh, that's available and hopefully that will soon start to to give some of these uh, people uh, relief so you know we don't want to see these people um uh, you know getting caught or having their their wages uh, rolled back you you can on one hand call them heroes and then on the other hand start getting rid of them or cutting back. It's just, it's not respectful to them whatsoever. So, you know, I, I, I would certainly want to see something like that um, on the education front, um, you know, before the pandemic, I mean, we saw significant cuts um, in the education uh, de- uh, department, um, both um, at, uh, at education and post-secondary education. I mean, You know, it's our young emerging leaders, uh, you know, they're the future. And if we don't uh, provide them uh, all the tools that they need so that they can then go lead on the world stage, uh, it won't be good for for Alberta. Um, And, you know, either folks are going to uh, leave or we just we won't have the expertise uh, uh, here. And then, uh, you know, on the third one, uh, I I would like to see uh, hopefully maybe some uh, uh, reconsiderations around some of the things of, of labor. Um, you know, the last thing you want to have is, uh, you know, labor unrest that, um, you know, it interferes with the uh, the ability of the province uh, uh, to function. Um, you know, again, my heart being in, in labor to, to sit here and paint all these pictures uh, about unions and, and whatnot. Um, you know, they're, they're trying to destroy business. Well, if that was true, they put themselves out of business. So, they want things to be just as successful uh, so that their members have good paying jobs that they can then go and and spend that money in the economy. So I guess for myself, I'd I'd love to see those, uh, those three things.
0: No, and fair enough, and we'll find out soon enough when the budget's eventually released in February, 2021. Uh, All right. Well, I think that's actually a very good place to wrap up here. So, uh, Chris, thank you very much for coming on. It was a pleasure to have this uh, conversation with you tonight. And uh, best of luck to you going forward in uh, the spring session, I guess it is. And uh, we look forward to seeing everything that happens.
1: Well, thanks, Aaron. I appreciate you having me on the show. And, uh, you know, good luck to you as well in in 2021. And hopefully we will see uh, a little bit of a better year than uh, what we just experienced.
0: I think we can all agree on that one. Thank you very much. All right. Have a great
1: one. You too.